0: Today is Friday, July the 15th, 2022, and it's a great day to have a day here on the Spurs Up show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the Internet. On today's show, we conclude the 2022 season preview series. As today, I taught the Gamecocks special teams heading into this upcoming football season. Guys, first things first, I'll look back at how Pete Limbo's squad fared a season ago. Also, of course, we'll talk key departures. Key returners, notable newcomers, top storylines for the upcoming season, why they'll be better, why they'll be worse, season will be successful if, and I've given my prediction for the 2022 unit as well also guys we got news and notes to get into including major news coming late last night as gg jackson has officially decommitted from the university of north carolina what does it mean for Salconas' chances at landing the prize prospect i'll give you guys my thoughts what i'm hearing on the inside also guys we got your listener questions and a great conversation here on this Friday with Phil Steele, one of the best in the business. Of course, it is preseason magazine season, and Phil was gracious enough to sit down with me, take his time to talk his magazine and his projection for South kind of football going into this upcoming 2022 football season. Guys, we have got a packed show for you here on this Friday. And, of course, as always, it's brought to you by our friends over at SeatGeek. Go download the SeatGeek app. Go to SeatGeek.com, and when you do, use the promo code SPURSUP to save $20 off your first purchase of any purchase of $50 or more. Guys, they've got tickets to anything and everything you need, whether it be Gamecock sporting events, concerts, comedy club events. Again, you name it, they got it. They've also got what's called a deal score. So when you go to their website or their app, they're going to tell you exactly where you're sitting, how much you're paying, so you're going to know, hey, I'm overpaying for these tickets, or I'm getting a steal. Bottom line, when you click that.
1: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
0: Buy button. You're going to have all the confidence you need to know that you're getting the most bang for your buck. So again, guys, that's our friends over at SeatGeek. Go download the SeatGeek app. Go to SeatGeek.com. And when you do, use that promo code SPURSUP. That's S-P-R-S-U-P to save $20 off your first purchase of any purchase of $50 or more. Let's get it! Chicken nugget. Look at you, chicken Nugget. Use your chicken nugget. Oh, you kick that leg. 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 Oh, you're chicken nugget. Use a little chicken nugget. Oh, oh you're chicken nugget. Oh, <laughs> I'm not even going to edit that out. That's the wholesome content we all need to kick things off. On a Friday, folks, happy Friday, TGIF. Hope you're all doing well. If you did not realize, I'm sitting right here you on know, my parents' house. On the home front, playing with our dog. My parents have a corgi. Her name is Lady, and I was just scratching her belly right here. And I was like, you know what? Why not go into this weekend with some real wholesome, sweet content? So here we are again, folks. Appreciate you all tuning in. I'm Chris Phillips, your host of the Spurs Up Show, as always. And we have got a lot to get into here on this Friday. Very excited to chat with you all as we conclude the 2022 season preview series as we talk. Beamer ball. Yes, special teams. We dive into that and give the specialists some love. Again, some other big things to get into. Again, very excited to be chatting with each and every single one of you as we sit here late on a Thursday night. Yours truly had one hell of a Thursday in regards to moving. We've been changing locations. Listen, announcements on that. I will keep you guys in the loop because. When you do what I do, you sign up to have your life lived on a public forum, in a public forum, on a public platform. So with that being said, you guys will know at some point in regards to what HQ will be, where it is. You're obviously going to know what it looks like because we'll be doing the Daily Crow live from HQ. I will say this, and I know you will. Roll with the punches early with me because right now my place looks like an absolute disaster. There's stuff everywhere. It looks like a tornado hit the new spot. Just bear with me. The Daily Crow setup, the studio setup, it's all going to evolve as we go. Probably going to take me a week or two or maybe longer to really get set up and get things the way I want. So again, guys, if you're kind of seeing some craziness in the background, just do not mind it. And the beauty is this. I know that you guys will rock and roll with the punches. Be patient with me. You'll be gracious. You guys always do that. I feel like, you know, I pride myself on the background and the setup and having a cool look for the Daily Crow and a cool look for content. Honestly, I don't think you guys, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know that y'all really even care. You're like, you know what, Chris, as long as you're talking game Gamecocks, doesn't matter. But I love everything in the background. I love the aesthetics. I love making the content with cool backdrops and stuff like that. So that's not going anywhere. But all I'm saying is early on, it's going to take a while to just get everything unpacked. You know, It's crazy when you pack and you move. You don't realize just how much stuff you have. And then you start putting stuff in boxes. And you're like, do I really need this? Do I really need that? Maybe I should throw this out. Why do I have so much stuff? And I tell you what, the majority of what I have, I have so many Gamecock trinkets and memorabilia, and framed this, framed that, signed this, signed that. So it's absolutely crazy. Again, truly a blessing. But uh, again, appreciate you guys, your patience, your love, man, as we go through this move. And obviously, I know this week's been crazy with no daily crow Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I will say thank you all so much, those who came out of 10 Roof, man. We had a blast on Wednesday night at 10 Roof, had a great crowd. So appreciate y'all coming out. That kind of served. As our Daily Crow, and by the way, on the note of the Daily Crow, let's start there. The Daily Crow, guys, does return Monday, but a quick update to content because things are going to be crazy next week with SEC Media Days, right? Shane Beamer and the boys speaking on Tuesday. They are making their rounds around 1 o'clock or so. With that being said, I do not think we're going to have a daily crow on Tuesday. However, I am planning some special SEC Media Days content on Tuesday. That might be a Twitter Spaces. That might be some different type of streaming. We might do some TSUS After Dark. We might do some Big Cock Club stuff. You never know. But I will have something up my sleeve. But I'm not sure it really makes a whole lot of sense to do the Daily Crow on Tuesday specifically because that will be the Gamecocks Day in Atlanta. There's going to be so much going on. There's going to be so much content. There's going to be so many quotes, and we're going to be locked in on RN end covering that thing. So not sure it's going to make a lot of sense to do TDC on Tuesday. But the rest of the week, will be normal. The podcast, of course, will be normal. And content, of course, as always, will be bleeding out the eyeballs. So, guys, with that being said, speaking of content bleeding out of the eyeballs, let's get right into it as we conclude the 2022 season preview series for the upcoming Gamecocks football season. And on today's show, arguably, we save the best for last, right? We all talk Beamer Ball, Beamer Ball, Beamer Ball. You see the merchandise. You hear the content. But what really is Beamer ball? Guys, it's special teams. It's the specialists. It's the kickers. It's the punters. It's the holders. It's the returners. You can't forget about this facet of the game. You can't forget about those guys. And I got a weird feeling over the course of his head coaching tenure, while Shane Beamer's in Columbia special teams, I think year after year after year, is going to play an even bigger role as he goes throughout his coaching career here in columbia but again guys special teams a major factor beamer ball is alive and well so let's get into it before we talk this upcoming season let's look back at a year ago of course parker white guys was the story of the 2021 football season in regards to the specialists he went 16 of 17 on field goals 30 for 30 in extra points 78 points on the season and more importantly he set the all-time Scoring record, the all-time leader in points at the University of South Carolina, surpassing Elliott Fry's record. So, of course, Parker's name on the turnstiles at Willie B. You didn't look at the punting side of things. Kai Kroger a season ago, 59 punts for a 42.9 average, 23 punts inside the 20. It was a damn shame he was not named to an all-SEC team, but a, a weapon certainly for South Carolina. And also, he was a fantastic holder. For the Gamecocks last year was a crying shame he did not win the holder of the year. And I remember Shane Beamer was very vocal about that as well. On the kickoff side of things, Mitch Jeter, 53 kickoffs, 29 touchbacks on the season. He was very solid for South Carolina. In the return game, Juju McDowell, 15 kickoff returns, 26.3-yard average. And then Josh Van just seven punt returns for a 9.1 average. Also, guys, talking about big plays. The Gamecocks did block three punts a season ago. They also had two in week one against EIU. So you like to see those numbers increase. I think, again, Beamer Ball, as we continue to go year after year after year, I think it'll become a bigger facet of the Gamecocks game and what they do on a weekend, week out basis. Let's move into key departures, key returners, and notable newcomers. And, of course, when you talk departures, there's really just one guy. There's one name I have here listed, and it is certainly – A very big departure, a very notable name that has gone, and that, of course, is kicker Parker White. It's crazy. It felt like Parker was here forever, his career starting in 2017. Who can forget the start to his career where his first made field goal was against Louisiana Tech, a game winner way, way back at the beginning of the Will Muschamp era. He concludes it last year, sets the record in the bowl game. That's a big question mark and something we're going to get into in just a second we talk top storylines replacing Parker White as your kicker. That's a major departure for this group and a major question mark that needs to be answered. Let's get into key returners. Who's back? Of course, I mentioned kicker Mitch Jeter, punter Kai Kroger, long snapper Matthew Bailey, kickoff returner Juju McDowell, and punt returner Josh Van. You then look at notable newcomers, the transfer of Arizona State kicker Jack Luckhurst. Will he factor in the competition as the Gamecocks look for their replacement Kicker, so you got a very interesting nucleus of guys. Also, I would say, by the way, I did not mention other guys that could factor into the return role, and I think you add a lot of athletes that could give Josh Van, Juju McDowell, those guys a run for their money. As the Gamecocks look for more explosiveness out of that facet of the game, guys, let's dive into the top storylines of the upcoming season. Before we do that, I want to take about our friends over our prize picks because this is, we're talking football. You want to win some money this season, right? You love betting on spreads, you love betting on over/unders, you love betting on totals, futures, whatever. How about prop plays for college sports? No other book has it except our friends at Prize Picks and when you sign up today with the promo code TSUS, you're going to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Guys, Prize Picks is the simplest fantasy game on the market folks around prop total entries. Here's how it works. You pick 2 to 5 players. You can win up to 10 times On any entry, they got no Sharks, Optimizers, or Mass Multi-Entry. It's literally just you against the projection. Prize Picks allows mixed sport entry, So, for example, you can take the over on Spencer Rattler, parlayed with the under on Matt Ryan, parlayed with NBA, with MLB. Bottom line is this. You don't just have to play one sport. And, guys, like I said at the beginning, how many other books can you play a prop play on college sports? The answer is none. That makes Prize Picks alone superior. They also have a slick easy-to-use mobile app, both on the App Store and Google Play, and they're rated 4.8 stars in the App Store with rave reviews. Guys, again, that's our friends over at Price Picks. Go download the Price Picks app or go to pricepicks.com, and when you do, use that promo code TSUS to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. And again, we appreciate our friends over at Price Picks for their love and support of the Spurs Up. Show Okay, let's dive into the top storylines. The 2022 football season for these special teams, guys. The biggest storyline by far, who in the world replaces Parker White? And you think back, why is that such an important question, right? The kicker is almost like the offensive line, right? Like, this position does not get nearly the glory it deserves. And if you have a good one, A kicker is not something you think about very often, but you think just last year alone, right? Parker White made some very, very big kicks for you. You think week two of the season against East Carolina, he makes the kick to win the ball game for you. And again, you're not talking about the kicker position on a week-in, week-out basis until you've got a problem there. And, And you think back to 2017 and just how much of a cluster you know what that was. When you had to replace Elliott Fry, you had to replace your long snapper, you had to replace your holder, that entire unit, and you saw it take them weeks and weeks and weeks to really gel. You saw the timing issues, and you suffered greatly in that facet of the game because of that. The other reason why this is such a big deal, right? You're replacing your all-time points leader, all-time scoring leader in school history – this is a football team. I think most of ex- most of us expect Carolina to be in a lot of close games. What do you need when you're in close games? You need points. I know we all know we want to score touchdowns, right? We all know touchdowns are better than field goals, the great Robbie Davis would say, right? Six is more than three. But sometimes you got to take three, and sometimes you need to take three. And when you can't get three, it kills momentum. When you go down the field, you drive, and you just come up empty-handed. And what helps you get three is having a dependable kicker. So who steps up? I think there's capable options. I think Mitch Jeter's probably the leader in the clubhouse. This Luckhurst kid from Arizona State, they seem to be high on. There's other freshmen that are coming in they're high on, but you just never know. Is it going to be a seamless transition? The guys gel? Or are we going to see some of the similar issues that Parker White faced early on in his career, only time will tell. Guys, in the big storyline, move to the punting side of things. Kai Kroger, T-S-U-S athlete Kai Kroger, by the way. Shout out to Kai for the love on his end. He returns for you as a weapon in the special teams. And I used to talk about this when Joseph Charlton punted for the Game Gamecocks, but you really cannot undervalue the significance of having a punter like Kai Kroger, a guy that can flip the field for you. It helps your defense out so much. It helps your football team. You know, again, your defense is out there doing all they can. They get a stop. And a guy like Kai is able to flip the field and give this defense an opportunity to make big plays, get the football to the offense in positive territory. And again, you know, the offense stalls out, whatever, and it's no big deal. Kai can come in, like I said, flip that field for you. You cannot overstate it how important it is to have a weapon like that as a punter. And it's funny because you know, we've talked to Kai Kroger about making merch. I'm like, man, I, you know, it's one of those things where I hope to not see Kai on the field at all because I just want us to score touchdowns and go up and down the field. But inevitably, you're probably going to have to punt the football. It makes you feel good knowing you got a guy like Kai Kroger in your back pocket that can help you and flip the field and just help out your football team in that facet of the game. Another big storyline, guys, speaking of the punning game and more specifically the return game right? I mentioned the stats of Josh Van last year. The punt return game was basically non-existent, right? He only had seven returns in a 12, excuse me, 13-game season. Just seven returns and only averaged 9.1 yards per return. Listen, I'm not sure you've got Ace Sanders on the roster, but can the Gamecocks just find a new spark in the return game? Is there somebody else? Are there other options that could possibly come available that maybe some of these young guys or, or some of these transfers, you think about an Amorian Brown, just some of the athleticism you've added? And I'm not saying Josh Van can't do it, he's not good enough, but you need to find that guy who has a knack for being a good returner. Like Ace Sanders, the things he did there's a lot of them you just can't teach, right? There's a lot of them you just can't teach. You either have a knack for the game or you don't. And so I wonder if they can find that guy. Because, of course, again, for a team like South Carolina, I said this last year and I'll say it yet again, if you're looking to overachieve, right, right, this is a team that's five and a half, six, by most books in Vegas over under. If you're trying to get to that seven and five, dare I say eight and four, dare I say nine and three, if you're going to get to that, right, special teams is a facet of the ball game you need to win. You need to take advantage of, and it starts also in the return game, both in the punt return and and the kickoff return game, which I thought Juju McDowell did a solid job, but you can get more from there as well. So very intriguing to see that position battle, who steps up, who's your guy going into week one, and can they provide a spark in the return game for you? And finally, guys, my final top storyline for 2022, again, the continued evolution of Beamer ball. When it comes to blocking kicks, it comes to blocking punts, and more importantly, it comes to just changing the ball game as a whole. Again, Beamer ball is not just something we put on merchandise. It's not just something we just say and use in content. Shane Beamer, Beamer ball, what does that symbolize? It symbolizes winning in special teams. It symbolizes being a tough, hard-nosed, well-coached team, and special teams exemplifies that. I think it's something, a facet of the game, that Shane Beamer takes a lot of pride in. Of course, Pete Limbo, we talked a lot about him last year. Your special teams coordinator, one of the best in the business. I think you could argue argue he is the best in the country. So the continued evolution of this facet of the game, I'm very excited to see going into year two. How much has the special teams improved? And I feel confident in saying that Beamer ball. there will be a game that, Beamer ball will play a significant role. And I said that last year. I think it's going to be a yearly thing. I think it's going to be a yearly thing because I just think it's something that there's going to be games matchups where, you know what, our staff and our team, we just care more about special teams. We put more work into it. We put more film study, and I think that will pay off. So, again, the continued evolution of this faster of the game, I think it's going to help South Carolina immensely to steal a win or two each and every single season just because of that Beamer ball factor. All right, guys, let's dive into why they'll be better. Why they will be worse, we'll start with why the game Cox special teams could be and will be better in this upcoming 2022 football season. And again, I mentioned right the athleticism and the guys you add. I'm not saying juju mcDowell and 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 Josh Van did a bad job last year, but there wasn't a lot of explosiveness, wasn't a lot of athleticism. I don't even recall a return in which you you, you stood up and thought, oh my God, he might actually break it and take it a distance. There weren't many of those moments. I think one of the big reasons why the special teams could be and will be better this year, I think you have more athletic options to choose from in the return game. I I really do. I, I think you, because of the guys you added in the portal, the guys you added as freshmen, I think you added speed to your roster. And where you add speed, you add guys that can help you in this type of return roles. I'm really excited to see, again, that position battle, who steps up. I'm not saying Josh Van can't do it, but if you've got a young speedster, if you've got a guy like an Antoine Wells, a Corey Rucker that could step in and and be electric in that spot and just make something happen, make something shake, if you will, uh, that is something you will certainly take. So I think having more options, I think having more competition is going to help you in the return game. We'll see more big plays in that facet of the game this year. Why will the Gamecocks special teams, why could they or will they be worse in this upcoming 2022 football season? I think the answer is very simple. We talked about Parker White, and when he took over for Elliott Fry in 2017 and the transition that was, why they could be and will be worse if the transition at kicker is yet again a rocky one. And we've already seen this, right? We've seen this movie before. We literally watched it before our eyes in 2017, the things that can go wrong when you don't have the right guys back there. And it's, you know, it's like a golfer, right? Like, you know, what you're doing, but you get out of sync, your timings off your tempo, and it just completely throws you off. And when you've got a new long snapper holder and kicker, you got three guys that need to be on the same page. Luckily for South Carolina, they've got two of the three pieces coming back, and like I said, I think they've probably got the best holder in college football in Kai Kroger. So things should be, should be easier. The transition should be easier for a Mitch Jeter, who I think will probably win the job, but you just never know when it's a new kicker taking over, right? You just never know. It's such a mental thing with these kickers. So if there's anything I think that's going to hinder or hamper this group, it is going to be that transition at the kicker spot, which takes me into season will be successful if. And, guys, we've talked so much about the kicker spot. We've talked so much about Parker White. But I think it really is that simple. The season will be successful for the Gamecock special teams in 2022 if you can simply find a replacement for Parker White. And it's much easier said than done, right? When you're talking about, hey, how about this at South Carolina? Back-to-back, the kickers at your school have set the all-time scoring records. Hey, no pressure for the next guy, right? No pressure for you to be great or anything, right? It's much easier said than done. Who steps up fills in that void? I think if you're able to, like, again, if you're a Mitch Cheater and you're not putting that outside pressure, that noise on yourself, and you're not trying to set the all-time record, you're just trying to be the best possible kicker you can be, I think he should be fine. As long as you can find that guy, I think the rest of the special teams will take care of itself. Again, I think Kai Kroger's a weapon for you. He'll continue to be great. I think you've got enough athletic weapons um, you know, in the return game to get something positive out of them. I think Beamer ball will continue to happen with the block punts and block kicks, but you got to find that replacement for Parker White. You got to find that dependable week-in, week-out option. You do that, it will be a successful year for this group, no doubt. Which leads me into, guys, finally, my prediction for the Gamecocks special teams in this upcoming season. I do think Mitch Jeter, by the way, is going to be your kicker. I think he will fill in. And I know there's a lot of pressure, but I think he'll handle it well. This is not a guy who's a true freshman. I think he will provide a solid option for you. I'm not sitting here saying he's going to go 16 for 17. I'm not saying he's going to be Parker White, but I think he will provide a solid option for this football team. I think Kai Kroger is an all SEC punter. I think it's a shame he wasn't last year. I think he gets back to that. And I do think athletes will emerge in the return game. I don't think it's Josh Van returning punts. I think you've got too many other quality options that could possibly help you out there. And again, it's not meant as a knock to Josh Van. But you've added a lot of athleticism. I think it's good to give some of the guys opportunities and try to find a guy who has a knack for touching the football. Also in the kickoff return game, I think it's probably about the same, maybe a little bit better. I think beamer ball, though, will continue to play a role for USC guys. Like I told you, I expect every single year. I think there will be a game, maybe two, that South Carolina is able to steal. And if not steal, compete probably more so than they should just simply because. Simply because they're dominating in the special teams facet of the game. And when you're when you're in these toss-up type of games and and you're taking on teams you're evenly matched with and you're trying to win each facet, offense, defense, special teams. If you can win special teams, right, you like your odds to win just one of the other two. And if you can become consistent in that, you're winning special teams constantly all the time you're going to put yourself in a really good position to win those toss-up games. So I think beer ball will continue to play a role. I think you're going to see more block punch this year, more trick plays. You know, we saw the one last year at Tennessee. Hopefully we see that type of trick play in a game. That's not a complete blowout. Um, but I do think special teams will continue to be a strength for this football program as long as Shane Beamer and Pete Limbo are leading the charge. So guys, that's my breakdown of the Gamecocks special teams going into the upcoming season. And that concludes... The 2022 season preview series. We'd love to hear from you guys. On the special teams specifically, what are you expecting from this group in this upcoming year? What are your thoughts on Beamer Ball going into year two of the Shane Beamer era? Guys, before we get out of here really quickly, quick note, and it is a big one, a massive one. As late Thursday night, GG Jackson announced officially on his Instagram his decommitment from the University of North Carolina. I tell you what, shout out Jamie Shaw, by the way, this dude for On Three, who called this weeks ago, right? Called it weeks ago, and people thought he was crazy. And sure enough, who is getting the last laugh now, right? This Gigi Jackson thing has been crazy, exhausting, unreal to follow. Will he be a Gamecock? I think he will, folks. Everything I've heard points to him going to the University of South Carolina. I know, Counter fans, I feel like we're all so scared we're going to get hurt again, and we're all wait and see mode. But this was the first domino, obviously, that had to fall. If South Carolina was going to get him, he had to decommit from UNC, and it is now officially Happen. And I tell you what, Lamont Paris, I said this before, he will be an absolute legend if he can land it. But Gigi Jackson, I mean, this is just going to be every single day, day after day, until he makes his announcement, what he's doing. We're going to be following this thing very closely, but what a game-changing pickup he would be if he does indeed go to the University of South Carolina. Guys, before we get out of here, let's get into your listener questions. We do have a few. Blood underscore Faya says, Think we can pull some five-star recruits on an okay or good season this year? I think we can. I think we can. I think winning helps. But uh, I don't doubt Shane Beamer on the recruiting trail. I don't doubt him at all. You've been listening. Listen, you've been hearing these Twitter spaces, by the way. Shout out the guys in the Twitter spaces. You've been hearing these Twitter spaces. All these recruits going in. Also, next week, we're having Pup Howard on the show. You're going to hear from him. You listen to these guys, right? They believe in Beamer. And the and the overall takeaway from recruits, the, the general consensus – is they really like Shane Beamer and they think he's building something special in Columbia. So I don't doubt Shane Beamer's abilities at all. I think he certainly could pull a five-star prospect in no matter what. But, you know, hey, if you win seven or eight games, that's certainly going to help you because that gives you more to sell to a five-star to potentially come to your school. Um, Brennan M says, go, go, game, Cox. No pun intended, right, my guy? No, I love it. Um, Ian Joseph Johnson says, how much of a drop-off is there now that Parker White is gone? That's a great question. That's a great question. I mean, I think there's probably going to be some. You would expect there would be a little bit. Uh, just how much? Just how much? That 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 is the million-dollar question, my guy, and I don't think we're really going to know until toe meets leather and Mitch Jeter has a big kick, a pressure kick, and does he make it, does he not? And then we'll find out from there what we have. Krusty um, Andy, I'm nervous about replacing Parker White. Should I be? I, I think it's fair. I think it's fair to be a little bit nervous. You just don't know what you're going to get. I mean, I, I think Mitch Jeter – could provide to be a very solid option, but we just don't know. We just don't know. So, um, you know, only time will tell. I mean, it's not one of those things where, like, you know, we've seen a quarterback throw passes. We've seen a D lineman rush the quarterback. We've never even seen Mitch Jeter kick a football, much? you know, outside of on kickoffs, which really means nothing. So, we don't know what to expect. All reports from camp are good, but, guys, it's like being a golfer. Anybody can do it on the range. What do you do, though, when you get out there on the course and there's pressure and you're in competition? That's what's going to solve the answer to our question, uh, and that's what we got to wait and see. Last question here from Matthew.843. He says, who's your way-too-early prediction for QB1 next year? Great question, Matthew, to close it out on. Um, Here's the question. Is QB1 on the roster right now, right? Let's say, hypothetically, he
1: is.
0: (sighs) It's tough because I I know most will look and say it's Luke Doty's job to lose, right? And uh, maybe it is, but it's just so hard to predict, man, because the transfer portal and you're adding in a Dante Reno and, you know, maybe it's a Braden Davis. I I, I don't know. You know what, though? I got to give you an answer. I will go – I'll go Luke Doty. I I think they like Luke Doty. I think Luke Doty's QB2 coming in this season for a reason. And um, until I see differently, man, I think they believe in Luke Doty, and Luke Doty could very well win that job next year. So, I'll go Luke Doty if i got to pick one. Appreciate the questions, guys. Thanks so much for being interactive. Thank you so much for engaging. And I appreciate y'all, like I said, man, rolling with the punches and just – being patient with us this week, obviously, man, with my moving stuff going on. My brother in town from the Army, we're having great family time, and I appreciate y'all being understanding of that. And we're still producing content like crazy, man. We love it. So appreciate y'all the love and support. Hey, we got Don't Go Anywhere. Great conversation upcoming. One of the best in the business. You love preseason magazines, and you're going to love this convo with our guy, Phil Steele. So, again, guys, thank you all so much. Appreciate y'all tuning in. Have a great rest of your Friday. Enjoy your weekend, and enjoy this conversation with Phil Steele. All right, guys, joining us on the Spurs Up show. He's a friend of the show. I'm always excited. It feels like a bit of a yearly ritual this time of year in the summer before toe meets leather. We talk to one of the best in the business. Of course, it is preseason magazine season. Who better to talk to than the man himself, Phil Steele, joins us once again. Phil, appreciate you taking the time, man. It's a pleasure to have you on. Hope you've been well.
2: Hey, a real pleasure talking to you again, Chris. Always enjoy our conversations, my friend.
0: Absolutely. Thank you, Phil. And before we get into uh, talking Gamecocks, Phil, let's talk about your magazine. Obviously, it did drop the 2022 edition. Just let people know, update them on where they can find it. And again, obviously, you put in tons of hours and tons of work into this magazine. I know we talked a little bit off air. Fulfillment's been a bit of an issue, but you had... The, uh, the digital version, which I know I had a lot of friends that bought the digital version. You also had like a VIP package, I think I saw. You're doing a lot of big things, Phil Steele. Um, so just give us an update on this year's magazine, all the work that went into it, and just where people can find it at this current time.
2: I appreciate that, Chris. Yeah, the magazine, uh, we spent seven months months producing this thing, all the way from the uh, Sunday after Thanksgiving through June the 8th. We were able to capture all the moose in the transfer portal because the uh, portal closed May 1st we've been able to capture uh, Jordan Addison going from Pitt to USC by going to the press on June the 8th. So a lot of advantages there. Now, this year there's paper shortages printing problems uh we were only uh, able to print half the run the first run so those went exclusively to barnes and noble gas is pretty tight right now i don't want you driving all over looking for the magazine the only place to find them the first three weeks of july is barnes and noble so head over there and uh, if you can't don't have a barnes and noble in the area you can go to philsteel.com and order the magazine Uh, we've got some great prices or or get the magazine there at philsteel.com but Uh, Barnes & Noble is the exclusive place. And then at the end of the month, they're printing the second run right now. Should be at the other stores by the end of the month. But right now, exclusively at Barnes & Noble. And as you know, Chris, 352 pages. I feel it's got three to four times the amount of information Mm -hmm. of any other college football magazine out there. Mm.
0: Full Color Magazine, too. It's a it's a beautiful publication, Phil. I mean, truly, you guys do a great job. So, And like you said, jam-packed with information. I want to go ahead and get into that, Phil. Before we talk about this year's South on a team, though, obviously the last time you and I talked was uh, last summer. So before the 2021 season, and of course the main storyline of that year was Shane Beamer's first year. The Gamecocks had won a combined six games the previous two seasons, and nobody knew what to expect, right? The Vegas over-under was three and a half. South kind certainly overachieved in year one of Shane Beamer, winning six games in the regular season and a seventh in the bowl game, throttling North Carolina. Just feel your overall takeaways from year one of Shane Beamer, you know, obviously overachieving and now all the momentum they've built to this point after a successful year one campaign.
2: Yeah, phenomenal first year for Shane Beamer. As you touched on, Chris, the over under was three and a half. And then when you looked at the schedule, he said, wow, if they're going to make a bowl game, they have to pull some upsets. Well, guess what? They did. And, uh, you know, I think one of the sneaky things that a lot of folks don't look at is special teams. Mm-hmm. And uh, Coach Beamer brought in Pete Lembo, who I feel is one of the best special teams coordinators in the country. And all of a sudden, that special teams helped them win a couple of games, I felt. Uh, they were number 18 in my special teams rankings last year, and they're, they're in my top 25 this year. But, uh, you know, it was a, a slower start to the year, solid finish. And as you mentioned, that bowl game was a thing of beauty. Shane Beamer probably never been doubts in Mayo in his life, but uh, that had to be a pretty good bath at the end there. Tremendous first season for Shane Beamer. And now expectations are high. They'll probably be an underdog again this year in uh, six games or so, but uh, that just means he has to pull an upset or two to improve upon the record.
0: Yeah, Phil, speaking of the Mayo, I'm I'm not sure you saw, but I actually consumed about half a jar of mayonnaise because I I lost a bet with my audience. So as much fun as winning the bowl game was, I'm not sure. Maybe we can win like the – the barbecue bowl or the pizza bowl next time. I don't know. The Mayo bowl was a little aggressive for all of us, but how'd you feel way, after that? Chris? I, you know, not great, <laughs> <laughs> not great. I, in the moment, the glory was incredible. I was on such an emotional high about an hour later. Oh, uh, it was, was not a good time either way though. You know what? It's a fun memory and uh, the clip did well on social media. So I guess that's what it's all about. You do what you got to do for the content, but either, either way, Phil, uh, I mean, obviously, again, it's a huge splash, and, you know, for the for the bowl games don't matter crowd. You know, Phil, I'm sure you heard Steve Spurrier before say that, you know, it's it makes such a difference when you win your last game. That, that yep. momentum you carry into spring ball and workouts and fall camp and, you know, magazine season and the and the, the view of your program is in a positive light because you won your last game. And I think certainly winning the bowl game helps South Carolina in regards to making one of the biggest splashes in the transfer portal, and that is adding quarterback Spencer Rattler, the former Oklahoma signal caller. He comes into this season, Phil, with sky-high expectations. But South Carolina, for the first time since, I think, the Connor Shaw, Dylan Thompson days of Steve Spurrier, they have their guy under center. You don't go into a season with a question mark at that position. Just talk about your thoughts on just South Carolina alone landing this prospect, because I think that shook the college football world and what you're expecting from Rattler, a guy that obviously, again, last year Oklahoma got benched, but you cannot deny the talent, the athleticism and the upside he brings to that position in Columbia.
2: Yeah. And I think if you're looking at one of the most improved positions in the entire country for any team, you'd have to look at the quarterback spot uh, for South Carolina. Let's face it last year. South Carolina had a a freshman quarterback and Luke Doty who got injured after four starts uh, and had two other guys who were serviceable QBs, but it was a a position that struggled uh, most of the year. Now, Spencer Rattler was, of course, the Heisman favorite. A lot of folks are projecting him uh, to be the first quarterback taken, uh, you know, in a draft coming up. He had 75% of his passes, but an off year for him, only an 11-5 ratio. I think he'll be back towards that 2020 form this year and look much more like the Spencer Rattler we thought he was, especially under the tutelage of uh, Shane Beamer. So I I think it was a massive pickup. I also like the pickup of Antoine Wells uh, from uh, James Madison. He's one of the more underrated receivers out there. And I think adding him and Rattler at the same time is really going to help that offense get
0: rolling. Side note, Phil, Zeb Noland obviously played last year in a graduate assistant coming off the sidelines and playing quarterback. Have you ever seen anything like that?
2: Well, you know, if it was just a grad assistant, I would say that was the case. But he is a guy that was at Iowa State and he right. started in, in FCS the previous year uh, at North Dakota State. So, you know, he had uh, had had ex- college playing experience. Had he been a guy that hadn't had college playing experience, I would say, yes, I've never seen that before.
0: For sure. Now, Phil, the question mark on the offensive side, because you did mention the addition of Antoine Wells, Josh Van is back. You do lose some guys in the running back room, but I think the Gamecocks feel pretty good about the options there with Marshawn Lloyd's return, Christian Beale Smith coming over from Wake Forest. You had Lavassier Carroll from Georgia. You have Juju McDowell back. So there are plenty of options. But it all starts with the offensive line for South Carolina. Let's say what it is. They were abysmal a season ago. Allowed 31 sacks, average under four yards per carry. I think only ran for 100 yards in six ball games. One of the worst in the SEC. Experience, though, Phil, that's not the problem, right? You return all five starters, as you mentioned in your magazine. 129 career starts. And really what jumped out to me, Phil, as you mentioned this, the depth. Seven guys have started six or more games in a season. You have to think that the Gamecocks offensive line, while they may not be elite this year, you have to think they'd make major strides and take a major jump this season.
2: Yeah, I would say major strides for sure. The expectations were high for South Carolina heading into last year. And as you mentioned, definitely underperformed. And they know it. Mm -hmm. Uh, When I was talking to Coach Beamer, he said the O-line is hungry. They're aware they did not meet expectations last year. And this is a much older group. Uh, I think you're going to see this group be vastly improved. And, you know, the quarterback play behind them helps a little bit as well. It's going to make the – if you have to defend the full field as opposed to packing the box to uh, stop the run, then all of a sudden it opens it up for those running backs. So I think we are going to see the offensive line be one of the more improved offensive lines in the country, in fact. I rate him number twenty six overall in my magazine in the country this year. Uh, so, Coach Beamer's expecting expect are expecting improvement. So am I.
0: Speaking of overachieving, Phil, that certainly was the case last year for the Gamecocks defense. I mean, I, I I think we were all in a bit of shock after seeing what they did a year ago. You know, this was a unit that gave up I think thirty points per game, or somewhere between thirty and thirty six points per game in two thousand twenty. Uh, you, you know, you lost your top playmakers, and I actually listed going into the season, Phil, last year. I thought the defensive backroom was maybe the worst position unit on the football team. Well, not only were they not that, but they ranked top 10 in pass defense. Clayton White, Torian Gray, Jimmy Lindsay, that entire defensive staff uh, doing wonders in year one. Your thoughts, and we'll start with the pass defense, and Cam Smith leads that group coming back, but you had Jalen Foster who had a breakout year, led the sec with five interceptions. I mean, it was, it was wild to me, Phil, to watch that year one to year two jump they made, or at least that year one jump they made with Clayton white taking over as defensive coordinator.
2: Yeah. I thought Clayton white did a fantastic job. And as you mentioned, I don't think anybody expected South Carolina's defense to be as good. And when you look at the secondary this year, they do lose a second team, all American free safety in uh, foster. But I like the addition of Devani Reed coming in from Central Michigan. He's a very talented uh, safety that uh, I I enjoyed watching at Central Michigan. I think he's going to step right in. They've got three starters back. There's good depth at nickelback and cornerback. Depth at safety is probably the biggest question mark on this, this secondary this year. But I can easily see them uh, getting back to the level. In fact, I rate their secondary number 16 in the country this year. They finished number 26 in my past defense ratings, which take into account the uh, strength of the opposing quarterbacks. Mm. But uh, I've got them going up to number 16 this year.
0: And, Phil, I I would say the problem with the defense is the same issue that the offense has just on the flip side, and that is line of scrimmage. Stopping the run was the problem a season ago. And I'm sure you're familiar with Brad Lawing, who coached at South Carolina, a great defensive line coach for many, many years in the college ranks. But he told me, he said, Chris, as a defensive coach, you never brag about your past defense because all you're telling teams is you can't stop the run. And and that was the case a season ago. Teams didn't have to throw against South Carolina because the run defense – was so porous, and it feels like the math doesn't add up, Phil, because you look at the guys you had last year and even this year. You know, you've got Jordan Strong back, Jordan Birch, Boogie Huntley, Rick Sandage, Zach Pickens, Tonka Hemingway, all those guys up front. Then you have the return of Sherrod Green at linebacker, Mo Caba, Brad Johnson. You've got the highly touted freshman in Stone Blanton coming in at the linebacker position. So it feels like, again, both lines of scrimmage, it feels like should be improved because that's really – the name of the game and the, the the problem areas for South Carolina season ago. Do you see that run defense improving at all in year two of Clayton White?
2: Yeah, definitely. And, in fact, when I went over the defense with Coach Beamer and we got through with the defensive line, uh, he said he felt the defensive tackles mm-hmm. – check this out. Defensive tackles are the strength of the team. He's got six to seven guys to feel good about. And if your defensive tackles are the strength of the team, you're going to have an improved run defense. So we know the talent's there. Uh, there's some players up front, like a Jordan Birch at the defensive end spot, who is my number three rated defensive line out of high school, just hasn't quite lived up to that billing yet. Mm-hmm. But if these guys do, and I think they can, like Zach Pickens inside, I think is an NFL caliber uh, defensive tackle, Strahan coming in there at the defensive end spot. I think there is plenty of talent, and I, I do see clear improvement in the second year.
0: Now, Phil, speaking of your rankings, I got a lot of questions about this coming into this conversation with you, so I have to ask. You release every year your top 25, but not just that. You release your top 60. The Gamecocks, unless my eyes deceive me, were nowhere to be found. I will give you the floor, explain your rankings, and where do you have South Carolina and why?
2: Yeah, and the rankings, uh, just to let you know, the uh, the top 40 that I do, I pride myself on uh, teams getting to bowl games. So I'm looking for teams that uh, you'll see at the bottom of that where the teams are like 40 through 60. The majority of them are a group of five teams that I expect right. to get to 7-8 wins and for sure are going to get to a bowl game. When you look at South Carolina this year, uh, a lot of it has to do with the schedule. They have to play at Arkansas where they're going to be an underdog. They have to play Georgia at home. They'll be an underdog. They have to play at Kentucky. They'll be a dog, but I think they could win that game. They play Texas AM and at home. Will there be a dog? They play Florida on the road. Will there be a dog? And they play Clemson on the road. Will there be a dog? The Tennessee game is a toss-up game on the schedule. I think Tennessee's absolutely loaded this year. So as far as the record goes, that's what I'm looking at when I'm doing that top 40. It's based on where I think teams will finish at the end of the year, and that's why they're there. Now, South Carolina, if you look at my power poll, The Power Poll, which is on page 39 of the magazine, tells you uh, where I think they are talent-wise. And I've got South Carolina number 38 coming into the season. So they're clearly a top 40 team. It's just uh, not a lot of teams play South Carolina's schedule. Not a lot of teams draw Texas A&M out of the West and draw Clemson out of the uh, the non-division. So I really think that they're going to be an underdog in at least six games this year. And that was the, the reason for that.
0: Now, Phil, it sounds like you would agree with this. You know, the old adage in college football is that you can improve, right? And the record may not show just how much you improve. And it sounds like what you're saying is that South Carolina, they may be a better football team this year. I think most would agree. No doubt they're going to be a better football team. You add Spencer Rattler, but the record may not reflect that just because of how brutal the schedule is.
2: Yeah, uh, but once again, if Beamer could pull a couple upsets like he did last year, and I don't have him a major underdog against Kentucky, a major underdog against A&M or even Florida for that matter, uh, just pull an upset or two minor upsets here, take care of business. They can easily improve on the record, but uh, it, was, it would have been tough for me to pick them and project them to get to nine wins if they're going to be a dog in six or seven games this year.
0: Is there a game on that schedule, Phil, that you look at and you circle and say, if South Carolina, let's just say, is going to go eight and four, if they're going to overachieve to that level, they've got to win this game in order to do it.
2: I'm going to go October 8th at Kentucky. I think it's a very winnable game. Uh, And if South Carolina wins that one, I think they can get to that eight-win level because at that point they'll be playing with a lot of confidence Uh, They'll get themselves to four and two prior to the second half of the schedule. So I'm going to go with the Kentucky game. The second most important game would be Tennessee at home. Tennessee's got a very potent offense. I rate that game as a toss-up coming into the season. Uh, They get those two games, then boom, you got eight wins.
0: Now, Phil, just taking a look at your SEC projections before I get you out of here. You've got Georgia, of course, winning the SEC East, Tennessee in second Uh, Florida tied in second with them, Kentucky in fourth, South Carolina in fifth, Mizzou in sixth, and Vandy in seventh. I'll give you the floor first. On the East, I think it's pretty simple. Georgia is the cream of the crop. You think Tennessee, though, is going to be the team that challenges the dogs? Just give me a breakdown, a quick synopsis of your East predictions for the upcoming season.
2: Yeah, and to me, Georgia is a clear-cut favorite. I know they lost a lot on defense, only three starters coming back, but they play a lot of players. They're loaded in talent. Jalen Carter at the nose guard spot, Nolan Smith at the defensive end, Keeley Ringo at the cornerback spot. I have them favored in all 12 games by double digits. So I, I think George is your clear-cut winner. If anybody's going to challenge, I think Tennessee might be that team. Very potent offense coming into the year. Uh, Hendon Hooker's back. They averaged 39.1 points per game last year, and they're even stronger. Uh, defensively, all three units rank in my top units, and they have a strong special teams which I rate number 10. I only have them a dog at Pitt home to Alabama and at Georgia. If they were to steal that Georgia game, they'd have a chance. Uh, Florida, I think will be much improved under Billy Napier. Uh, there was the Florida was a team that I think uh, they had lost them last year at the end of the year. Uh, and Napier's going to step in new attitude. He's got a tremendous quarterback in Anthony Richardson, Kentucky. You know, they're never, they're always better than the sum of their parts. I think when you take a look at them this year, though, they do have Will Levis, they do have Chris Rodriguez. They've got a more favorable schedule than does South Carolina, which is why I picked them ahead of South Carolina in the standings. But I think South Carolina could be the better football team. And then Missouri, there's question marks, question marks on defense, question marks at the, uh, uh, quarterback position but no question marks a receiver I like Luther Burden I think he's going to be one of the big time newcomers in the SEC but I think Missouri is going to be hard pressed to get to a ball and then Vanderbilt you know talking to coach Lee uh, I, I'm impressed I think he's going to get Vanderbilt playing much better football it's a toughest situation in football being the academic school that they are and competing in the SEC they'll be better but uh, yeah I'm going to pick them last in the east this year
0: And then the Westville, you have Alabama, of course, winning the SEC West, Texas A&M in second. Uh, Arkansas, Ole Miss, and Auburn tied for third. Mississippi State sixth. And then LSU also tied for sixth as well. Of course, no surprise to have Bama. Can Texas A&M challenge the Crimson Tide after hauling in their $30 million recruiting class? Is it possible Jimbo gets the Aggies to the next level?
2: Uh, This is a talented Texas (laughs) A&M team. And the one thing, though, when I was going over the team with Coach Fisher, was it seemed like at the end of every position, he would say, boy, are we going to be good next year? And you could see it. They're just young at a lot of positions. They they lost basically the entire defensive line. They lost a lot of linebackers, lost a lot uh, in a lot of different areas on the team. They have talent, though. I mean, he's got five, not just last year, but five great recruiting classes. So they go three deep at all the spots. One reason I'm not as high in A&M winning the West this year would be the fact they have to play at Alabama but they could very well be favored in all their other games. So I think a has got the talent to hang with Alabama, but beating them in uh, at Alabama uh, on the road uh, with revenge, I think is going to be a pretty tough situation. I am very high on AM for next year. Uh, but they, they are a talented team that can stand toe-to-toe with uh, Alabama.
0: And then the rest of your SEC West picks, obviously, Phil, again, Bama's the, the clear cut. I think we all expect Bama-Georgia. But going through the list, the Gamecocks actually, actually have to play the Arkansas Razorbacks, So again, you have Todd for third. Then just go in through the rest of your SEC West picks, if you don't mind.
2: Yeah, and Chris, it, it was tough. i I'll tell you what, I do the magazine in a three-write-through process. The first one is a, a postseason write-through where I read through every article that was written about the team during the course of the season, really get myself in tune with what happened and what to look forward to. The second write-through is a pre-spring where we add in the freshmen and the transfers, mm-hmm. and then the third write-through is after uh, I talked to the head coaches and uh, after my second right through process, I went, okay, number one, Alabama, number two, Texas A&M than a five-way tie for third. I mean, I just couldn't pick who's going to be third and who's <laughs> right. going to be last. And at the end, it was still tough. I'm like, you know, I can't pick a five-way tie for third. Right. got to pick somebody sixth. I picked Mississippi State sixth because they they have the toughest schedule, although arguably they could be the most talented of the five. Uh, I've got LSU sixth because they're going through a transition with Brian mm-hmm. Kelly. They only have 11 returning starters. They also play a tough schedule this year, which I number six in the country. And then the middle of the pack, You know, Arkansas, Sam Pittman is overachieved each of his two years. He's got a very talented quarterback in K.J. Jefferson, a very talented team overall. Old Miss, I originally was thinking of putting them lower, but then you look at their first seven games. Troy, Central Arkansas at Georgia Tech, Tulsa, Kentucky at Vanderbilt, home against Auburn. They could be 7-0 and o when they travel to face uh, LSU. And uh, Lane Kiffin was the king of the transfer portal. That could get them off to a good start. But the one team I do want to emphasize is Auburn. I think Auburn's going to be picked last in the SEC West this year. Everybody's talking about all these players jumping ship for Auburn and what a bad sign that is for Brian Harson. I've been doing this for 28 years now, and I can tell you this. A lot of times when a lot of players jump ship, that means that the coach is getting rid of the bad apples. And what's left... Are players that are bought in and I think we have that with this year's Auburn team keep in mind at one point last year they were six and two mm-hmm. they should have beaten Alabama and they have a lot of talent coming back if they get good quarterback play out of either Zach calzada or TJ Finley I think Auburn's going to surprise a lot of folks this year
0: Phil it's always a pleasure to chat with you before I get you Phil. out of here I'm going to switch gears just a little bit mega conferences ha- has been the topic of conversation we're already seeing Southern Cal UCLA going to the big ten. Uh, Texas, Oklahoma, of course, coming to the SEC. And I think there's a lot more on the way. But you're someone, again, that, you know, you do your preseason magazine every year. We're talking SEC. But a couple years from now, Phil, we might not even have like an SEC. We might not have an ACC. It might be these huge mega conferences. You're just overall thoughts on the future of college football and the sport you love so dearly and the the changes that inevitably are coming to it.
2: Yeah, you know, and, and I'm a traditionalist. So you know, I, I like uh, the the Pac-12 and the Big Ten battling in the Rose Bowl. That, heck, I was born in Ohio, so when I was a little boy, that was the biggest game out there. Uh, but the change seems certainly evident, and we even saw Nick Saban talk about that with the fact he feels we're headed towards a couple of super conferences. If you asked me that question two years ago, I would have said we're going to have five, sixteen-team super conferences. But I have no idea where we're headed here, Chris. It sure looks like it might be just two or three really, really big conferences.
0: For sure. Phil, appreciate you taking the time, man. It's always a pleasure. Again, guys, you're tuned in. Go get Phil Steele's magazine at your local Barnes & Noble. Like you said, Phil, they should be kind of all over here in the next couple of weeks, right? Outside of the Barnes & Noble even, correct?
2: Yeah, at the end of July, they'll be everywhere. Right now, Barnes & Noble exclusively. But at the end of July, they should be everywhere.
0: Yeah, and also your website as well. You can get it online. We've got the PDF version. So, Phil, I appreciate you taking the time, man. It's always a pleasure. And, again, like I said, keep up the great work. It's awesome that uh, you've become such a friend of the show. And, like I said, I feel like this is a yearly ritual for us and, and one that I thoroughly enjoy. So, again, Phil, keep up the great work and appreciate you doing it. And we'll talk again soon. Thanks, Chris. Always a lot of fun talking football with you, my friend. Absolutely. He's Phil Steele. I'm Chris Phillips. We appreciate you taking the time. And we'll catch you next time on the episode of The Spurs Up Show.